0: This week on Notorious Scoundrels podcast.
1: What if it's a spork? Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's Luke Hahn and two Flamers. That's what. That's a spork.
0: Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast.
1: Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels
0: podcast. My name is Mike Dashes I'm all here alongside David Endless Zelenka. How you doing, my man?
1: I'm doing great. I love your energy today. Woo!
0: And I'm also here with Kyle Orchimedes Dornbus. How are hey, you? How's it going? Good. Awesome, awesome! And guys, today is our pre Adapticon cast. It's fantastic! Yay. I'm so excited. I, I am too. I uh, we've got a lot of like really sweet stuff planned um, over the course of this weekend, and I'm really, really, really um, looking to kind of just see the community's reaction. We're live streaming on Thursday. We're live streaming on Friday. We're live streaming on Saturday and there's just going to be a lot of legion (laughs) a lot of legion and hopefully a lot of legion news um you know yeah so
2: tune in on 1 p.m on 1 p.m at 1 p.m uh on the fifth trooper network on the youtubes uh that's 1 p.m central time uh on thursday because we're going to stream that uh panel and whatever news it may hold
0: Absolutely. And after that, we've got a tournament on Friday with 64 people competing to get the last few slots in what will be the biggest
1: tournament in Star Wars Legion to date. Yep, We're going to be covering that last chance qualifier. We have our our booth and our microphones have been previewed on Facebook and we'll be there in full uh, sportscaster regalia, suit and tie, and uh, we'll be really happy to bring it to all of you at a, a really awesome level and Jay from for the troopers been working so hard on everything to make the stream as high quality as possible and bring um, what is doubtlessly going to be an excellent cast to everybody out there in who's listening to us in uh, Legion land so thanks to Jay absolutely and uh, it's going to be a sweet sweet event it's going to be a sweet couple of days Yeah, if you haven't seen the uh
0: The YouTube, it's like a 35 second clip of uh, Jay's video that he posted, I think, to the Star Wars Legion group. It's kind of like a quick little stat clip that's going to be playing during some of the uh, the cast this weekend. If you haven't seen it, go go take a look at it. It's kind of just a sign of things to come. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got a lot of stuff uh, prepped and, and ready
1: in that regard. So I really I I'm so excited. Um, yeah, I'm the production value is off the hook for like the for a first time out. Like, I think I think everybody's gonna be really really pleased with what we're gonna bring. So yeah, looking mm-hmm. forward gonna, to that for sure. Also looking forward to playing in the in the uh, High Command on Saturday. That's the thir- the trifecta here is High Command is on Saturday, and that will also have uh, streaming coverage. Uh, Kyle and I are going to be playing, and I'm I'm really really pulling for you, Mike, to join us. I really want that to happen. You were so damn close.
0: I know. I, you know. <laughs> at, at this point, it is what it is. It's I'm looking at this weekend is a win-win. I either get to play Saturday, Friday, and Saturday, or I get to play Friday and hang out with all the awesome people that are listening Saturday. So it's kind of I can't really lose. Um yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> so I uh, you know, um and I, I'm looking forward to it. Also, um I believe Jay is gonna try and pick up the tank and the land speeder since Fantasy Flight said they're going to uh be selling them early to Depticon. I think the hope is to get an unboxing um live on location one of those days so everybody can kind of get a sneak peek at what's going on
1: i already have a couple people who have asked me hey do you have a room in your suitcase can you bring me home a tank (laughs) from adepticon i don't know can you give me 60 dollars yeah that's pretty much what i said right as long as
0: you pay for it 60 dollars plus tax and whatever tip you're willing to give me
1: yeah yep no one asked for the landspeeder, sadly (laughs) <laughs> so oops it turns out it turns out that people want the they want the the real military grade hardware and i was interested in the technical but uh the technical of course you know dear to my rebel heart because it is after all a landspeeder and luke's landspeeder at that but yeah so um clearly we're going to be talking a lot
0: about adepticon today i want to hear your guys thoughts. You know, we've talked uh, a lot about lists in the kind of lead up to LVO. We've talked a lot about lists in the follow up to LVO. Kyle, Dave, what are you guys thinking? We're gonna see just generally. Are we gonna see a lot of the Luke Leia um, builds that we call Wonder Twins, or the Veers Boba stuff? How 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 do you guys think that's gonna shake up? Do you think we're gonna see more Palpatine? Uh,
2: so I think it's gonna be a lot of Luke, Leia, with some sprinkling of Pathfinders and Wookies. Uh, it's going to be a lot of Veers, Boba, with some IRG sprinkled in there. Um, those are kind of the, you know, the the quote-unquote like meta lists right now, um, and those are the ones that took took home the most spots at LVO. But I think we're also going to see some surprises. Um, you know, there were a handful of surprises in the top twelve at LVO. There was um, a sad list. There was several lists featuring Han. Uh, obviously, there was Palpatine. Um, so I'm hoping we see some more surprises like that sprinkled in there. Um, and there are 12 spots up for grabs in the LCQ, uh, last chance qualifier. So there's only, right now, there's 20 people that have high command invites, and they're going to fill all of those spots uh, up to 32. So uh, if you're playing in the LCQ, you got a, a pretty good shot. Um, and I think at the moment, there are eight High Command invitees also playing in the last chance qualifier, and they're not going to burn any spots, so that means in theory, you know if all, like if all eight of those people finished in the top spots, uh, you could go down as far as the 20th spot and still get an invite because they're not going to burn those obviously so
0: and, and um, it's likely they're going to finish pretty high on the list considering their previous performance, I would imagine.
2: Yeah, uh, it's funny you say that. Um, some of the ones that I've talked to basically have said that they're just going to play jank on Friday so that they don't, <laughs> um, you know, a potentially steal a spot from somebody, which of course they can't do necessarily if they're not burning any spots, but also just so they're not previewing whatever they're playing the following day. So, <laughs> you know, depending on how many of them show up for like real practice with their real list and how many of them play some kind of jank, uh, I could see it going either way. But, we're looking at you, yeah. Nick Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mr. too.
1: And,
2: and then there are people that, uh, you know, might still also bring Jank to high command because that's what they qualified with in the first place. I'm looking at you, Rick Stegich.
1: No,
0: I knew you were um, going to say Rick Stegich. <laughs> here's <laughs> a bomb, and here's a bomb. Mr. Jank. You know, he's yeah. got to be so excited for Sabine and Bosk. Oh, my gosh. I, bombs. like Like yeah. He's already like full in on the SABs. He's just got to be like, yeah, more bombs.
2: And I, I think I think uh, Mr. Lupo is also playing in last chance qualifier. So I don't know if he's going to play Sabs again, but uh, he's certainly good at them. So uh, I hope we see some. I hope we see some off-meta lists.
1: Well, since the there's such a large number of qualifiers going through, I think that is going to lend itself to people playing janky stuff. Um, and I, like you say, especially from the people that already have their high command invite, this is a, a great chance to do data gathering. Um, you know everybody kind of knows what's what's a tier, what really wins reliably. But I think people want to experiment. They want to break the mold. They want to you know, maybe see you know what else can succeed, and if the stakes aren't quite as high, and I mean, it, practically no stakes at all. If you've already got your high command invite, you can just play whatever you want. And um that'll be a great chance for those folks who, are curious about you know what is the rest of the range of models have to offer in terms of competitive play you know when it actually goes into a setting where there are people who are going to play the mainstream who do have um you know who do have stakes that are going to force them to play really well you know what the what the fallout of that will be and what is what does this look like how does this actually stack up so if you're someone like me you know if I was playing in there I'd I try something crazy I'd play like, you know, triple flamer, I'd play something, you know, just off the wall nuts and have a ton of fun with it. And also like, see, Hey, well, if this went through one, I mean, I guess there's something to that. And maybe I'll keep that under my belt, you know, under my belt for, um, you know, some future tournament where I'm you know trying to surprise the field or something like that. But uh, I mean, I'm pretty much in agreement with you, Kyle. I think we're going to see, you know, a lot of the the primary archetypes are going to be very well represented. That is Luke Leia and Boba Viers. And Palpatine are like the, the three primary archetypes right now um, and then lcq we're going to see a wider a wider range and then. Uh, all those folks who qualify you know those lists rise to the top and then they'll combine with whatever the people who have been sweating high command for the last uh, several months. Um, have decided to train with and bring to try to conquer that tournament and take that one down so. I mean, uh yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be nice, and there'll be a, a huge range of of things, I think, uh, during during the LCQ, and you know, things look at things look at janky. <laughs> so yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I, I am too. I think overall, um, we have yet to like
0: have like a very defined tier system show up for Legion, in that you know, in in other games like Magic or eh, other games generally, Magic's probably the most prominent one. You know, you've got like tier one lists, tier two lists, tier three lists, and you can kind of, I don't know, uh, if you're not familiar with that, kind of grade those back to like some grade school grades where like a tier one list would be like a list that generally gets A's, a tier two list is a list that generally gets B's and so on. Um, And sometimes the, the tier two and tier three lists are just like really good because they end up in a spot in the meta where they just beat the tier one list for whatever reason. Um, and I think that, you know, there's some room we're starting to develop enough units that, you know, triple flamer, otherwise known as spicy combo chicken, uh, you know, (laughs) could come in and, and steal, steal a tournament, which I think it would be fantastic. A and B, I think, you know, with 64 people from around the country and then another 32 people from around the country that have all qualified at different places, um, I think le- maybe more so than LVO, we're going to just see a lot of different strategies come together.
2: Yeah. And it's funny too. I was looking at uh, the 20 high command invitees, uh, 10 of them qualified with rebels and 10 of them qualified with Imperials. So at least as far as like those we know of that are currently in high command, um, it's 50, 50, which Jeez. is nice.
0: It almost sounds like the game is balanced.
2: I know, right? That's crazy. Uh, no, I will say uh, almost all of the Robo players, except for the aforementioned Rick Stegich, qualified with Wonder Twins. Um, a good portion of the Imperial players qualified with Veer's bikes. This was pre-Boba, uh, and then um, uh, since then, it's been Veer's Boba. So, um, and obviously one Palpatine, and then uh, one one Vader list. So it, we'll we'll see what those players bring.
0: It'd be um, really interesting to see if somebody like unpack their bags and there's just three bike squads like people haven't played against that in six months yeah you know
2: like it could be it could be surprising yeah Um, i I think they've been i think that they've been crowded out a little bit by snipers um but you know we could see some surprises for sure
1: yeah i didn't expect to see any saboteurs at lvo um but hey (laughs) you never know I'm looking for. I hope someone puts Astromech RTs on the table because I would love to see that work.
0: I I mean, I there's there's gonna be at least one list in the 64 plus 32 is what 96 96 lists we're gonna see over the weekend. There's gotta be somebody's somebody's gonna do that. Somebody's gonna do that, and Kyle's gonna be in data heaven afterwards.
2: Oh yeah, I don't know myself.
0: Depending on how you look at it. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe due hell, <laughs> <laughs> it, did, it
2: did take a while to enter all those lists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but this is gonna be, you know, it's it's the so last chance qualifier is gonna be the same size as LVO, um, but uh, you know, with one less game, so four games. Well, for, for most players at, at Las Vegas, it was four games. And then there were obviously 12 players that played a fifth. So it's going to be slightly less games on the first first day. Um, but then we'll get 32 players, you know, four rounds on the second day. So it's going to be basically 50% more data. And all of those people that you know, are playing in high command are people that uh, won something in, in some fashion at a previous maximum firepower. So I think it's going to be pretty valuable data
0: yeah i mean the the kind of short of it is that more data is generally and almost always better data for the most part um but we'll see i'm i'm really looking forward to it you guys got uh any other list predictions slash kind of depticon hype you want to you want to toss in this
1: Uh, i still think a good armor player can do extremely well um I mean especially if they do their ATST correctly I think that would be stellar to see that, that thing perform even before um some of the new stuff comes and then uh uh the other thing that I think is is going to be true is that we're going to see a lot more mirrors I think that we haven't seen that really typically um in a tournament yeah and i think that high command will be there'll be several mirror matches where you're going to have people running basically the same thing but with the small tweaks and we'll see how those small tweaks develop over the course of the six rounds that are played so
0: i see what you're trying to do there you're trying to tell people to bring atr to so that i can blow them up i really Uh, appreciate
2: that
0: (laughs) i
1: appreciate yeah i know but (laughs) i mean what can i say man empire (laughs) ruins everything (laughs) That's, well, that's, 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 that's the, our that's MO. Awesome. That's what we do. Yeah, they ruin everything. <laughs> we ruin ruin the, the galaxy, yeah, yeah ruin the republic. It, it, ATRTs. ruin
2: ATRTs, <laughs> come on.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: I will say that I think ATRTs are the most viable vehicle currently in the game. Without a doubt.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean the just the the damage potential is pretty darn good off of them and they're, you know, for what they do, I mean, it's enviable to do what they do for 80 points. <laughs>
0: I think that honestly, the biggest not to get like way too off topic here, but I think that the biggest thing that they've got going for them is that they're also not by coincidence the cheapest vehicle.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, you're totally right. To the base. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a significant factor. I think the tank. Uh, will... well, I guess we'll see what happens with the tank, but um, I think I think it's going in a good direction. So yeah. I can't I, I can't do. speak for the speeder because we've seen. Not much for that. Uh, There's still. We, we used like, to joke
1: about the great vehicle meta of 2019, but I think we should have been careful for what we wished for.
2: Yeah, I guess we'll see. Time will tell. But we won't see that. Obviously, we won't see the tank and the speeder at high command or last chance qualifier because no, they won't, they won't be, legal, be legal. So.
0: Though, you will see an unboxing. Yes. Hopefully. Hopefully. Knock on wood.
2: Uh, the other thing that you won't see at Adepticon tournaments, except possibly for the team tournament are chronic and death troopers
0: yeah those i think we got a little bit more information on over the week was it friday was it friday that they came out uh
2: there was a i think the so the the death trooper dlt which was like the last thing we hadn't seen for death troopers that was friday i don't remember when the chronic article was earlier in the week some point
0: yeah so we got some new command cards with them um I think we had seen his one pip, Voracious Ambition, before, right? Yes. That was a thing we had had seen.
1: That had been previewed before.
0: Um, So we got two new ones, um, which are unique and pretty exciting. We've got his two pip, Deploy the Garrison, uh, which puts you assign two units down to two troopers. And um, I believe each one gets a standby token or... Takes the standby action. How is that worded? Each chosen unit may perform a free standby action.
2: Yeah, and that's important because Death Troopers get a free end token when they perform a standby action.
0: There you go. Because there is a keyword for that. I don't remember what it's called.
2: It's the same one that uh, fleets have, but it's much more useful on Death Troopers.
0: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember reasons. what it's called because <laughs> it's I've called literally steady. never keyword before. Uh, it's called it's called ready. No, it's ready sorry ready ready, ready steady, whatever study much uh, more yeah, useful yeah. than ready <laughs> um, yeah. um seems good i uh, i think i think standby gets a whole lot better when it's uh air quotes free
1: yeah and it's coupled with an aim token that has precise two behind it as well so you get some you get some mega value for putting those on death troopers which i mean it's thematic right yeah, you're gonna run chronic with DTS, and and they knew that when they designed the card, yeah, that being FFG. At
2: least one, two seems kind of expensive,
1: but um, yeah, I mean you can do two like cheapo ones with just the config, but again, like if you're if you're going full out, you know, uh, you know the the new heavy and the f the FT16 is that her her call sign DTF16, yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, you can, do, you can do those sorry go on i mean i think that uh overall it might
0: be a little bit premature to say that only one death troopers is good considering you can fit four in a list um i've seen i've seen some pretty wacky and crazy looking list designs by people in the in the discord that i think are at a bare minimum really scary to sit across the board from
2: yeah i think i mean hopefully we see this open up empire list design a little bit more um I feel like, obviously, Pathfinders have sort of uh, slotted in nicely to a lot of existing Rebel lists. At least they have for me. I feel like Death Troopers are going to be similar. Um, I'm having, I'm struggling a little bit more with Jin, but I think Chronic is going to kind of slot into like the existing Empire meta much more cleanly than Jin is personally.
0: Yeah, I mean, my hope is that, you know, we we've just got Veers right now. He's just kind of chilling there, hoping that. Somebody'll come along and replace him
2: i uh, <laughs> I don't think Venuss is going anywhere personally I don't think he is no. either
0: i just i think that there's something to be said for a low cost commander who has three
1: usable command cards um,
2: yeah for sure so back to Wait, did
1: we yeah did we talk about the deploy the garrison double tap that's possible why don't why don't you Okay, why why don't we talk? I'll I'll do that. So, so the the idea I think behind deploy the garrison. So each unit gets, or each chosen unit gets a free standby action. So you get a standby token from this, um, and you get an aim token because they have ready. And then if a unit near you triggers your standby and you get a standby attack, that's outside of your activation. So you get an attack outside of your activation from your standby token. And then during your activation, you can attack again. And that's a pretty stellar thing to do if you're, say, I don't know, in the blast configuration while you're standing by. Uh, that gets kind of crazy. That's that's two aimed shots denying cover from your Death Troopers. It's pretty nasty.
0: Yeah, it's pretty sick. I, I think of note um, in that vein, too, is that if you give a standby token to an engaged trooper uh it's a lot harder to get that standby token off of them um
2: yeah force push is basically your only option there yeah
0: so if you i think funnily enough funnily is funnily a word i'm not sure um no it is it is a word funnily funnily it just i don't know in any case i actually think to play the garrison is very good with royal guard
2: yep because they're they're likely to be tied up in melee and um you know it's a it's a way to double tap them without palp essentially
0: yeah um but this is all kind of theory crafting at the moment um let's take a look at annihilation looms they're three pip um this one is i my gut says it's like very simple on the surface but there's a lot of like cool and kooky stuff you can probably do with this that we haven't figured out yet the short of it is each trooper unit gains one suppression token if it is round five or six each trooper unit gains one additional suppression token uh yours and the enemy which is a lot of suppression tokens
2: yeah although uh, notably because of compel you care a lot less about them than probably your opponent does <laughs> it's almost <laughs> which like i guess is the point right? that way yeah i know right
1: <laughs> you also on top of that if you if you don't even care if you don't compel as a last resort let's say you took strict orders right on krennic which is you know one of his new upgrade cards uh, that means that those units that got face-ups, you know, are removing suppression instead of rallying, plus the, the Death Troopers have Discipline 1, so they're removing a suppression automatically. So if you play, you know, say around 5 or 6, you you hand 2 Suppression to everyone, your Death Troopers then receive a face-up order token from Krennic, remove one and then fr- from Discipline, and then they remove another just automatically instead of rolling rally dice. I mean, that's pretty gross. <laughs> And then everybody else just gets compelled by crying because they're suppressed. So the death troopers, um, just it's great. They just wipe suppression out that way pretty quickly when coupled with strict orders, which is what you want because they're very expensive, right? And you want you always want two actions with them. For sure, you never want to lose an action on your on your giant unit. You know, um, this is a really interesting card. Generally, I think that.
0: It you you play it when you want to do something and you don't want your opponent to do something. This is a control card. It's like Screams control. It's like the dust star is just there and it might as well have control printed along the top of it, I think.
1: Oh yeah. Both this and deploy the garrison are very much about controlling your opponent with, with their with what they can do versus standby tokens versus suppression. Um, blue players unite? I guess so. <laughs> do you couple this with a bid? oh sorry i was talking about magic oh i'm sorry
0: <laughs>
1: counter spell <wrong> <laughs> oh yeah uh unsummon uh time warp yeah yeah <laughs> all those uh, lovely cards in in blue that you just love to hate though i mean to some extent blue player in this game does that too
0: um yeah
1: yeah so yeah what about um what are some other details of Annihilation Looms that we could suss out here? Some of the interesting combinations we could think of. Um, I think that it could. I mean, you could go
0: really deep and like put officers on all your squads. I don't know if that's necessary because you've got Grenick. Um, but as a good, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but but I mean, like that's a possible possibility, right? I I don't know. Um, I, I think that. Like, like doing stuff like that, like there's some interesting list building opportunities here with this that I haven't entirely fleshed out. I think, you know, Annihilation Looms, you know, uh, I mean, it's really expensive. But alongside Vader, you know, Krennic plus Vader equals um, you can just compel to your heart's desire and your guys never panic because they're using Vader's courage bubble, which is uh, infinite, essentially. Um, so they don't panic and you can just give them 40 suppression tokens and they'll still do two things with Krennic.
1: Um, I don't know. Well, it's a great card in the sense that like, it's a downside for everyone unless you have the tools available to subvert it. And Krennic certainly brings those tools to the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think it's a really thematic,
0: really great utility card. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what people can end up doing with it um you know especially alongside you know death troopers that have range for suppressive weapons um (laughs) you know you i mean theoretically if you've got two squads of dts and you play annihilation looms turn one like you could you could have like panicked a rebel trooper unit off the board
1: theoretically yeah Um, i i fear for han like against this card i really fear for him because he's only got two courage, I fear for every two courage rebel unit that really wants their actions against this stuff.
2: Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I feel like unfortunately stuff like this is kind of pushing uh, rebels further into the arms of Wonder Twins, so to speak. Just because <laughs> <laughs> you know re- yeah. between Return of the Jedi and Leia's Inspire 2, like you know th- those two are still the best tools that rebels have for um, for managing suppression. Like Han lists, you know, having having tried various Han lists at this point, the one thing that they really suffer from is suppression. So um, we'll see how that shakes out. But.
1: Well, thankfully, Strict Orders is an empire only. So there's something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, But I mean, so if you combine Strict Orders with Inspire, you, you sort of get control over this, but they don't have the Compel that really makes that tick. I mean, Compel is it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if we see more officers in in rebel lists just to specifically kind of combat this sort of effect between the suppressive of the new Death Troopers Heavy and cards like this, you know.
1: Um, Do do you take FD cannons and and ATRTs just to run turning the tide? I mean, I think. (laughs) To prevent this. I think that that's.
0: uh, maybe you take more ATRTs. I'm not super convinced that more than one FD cannon is very good. Um, uh, I'm sure somebody out there will prove me wrong, and by the end of this week. Uh, but um, I, I do think that overall, you know, turning the tide is a card that we haven't really seen come into its own, and I think that. Um, at the time it came out we were like oh this is kind of cool right like we've got this card that gives all our stuff inspire too but now that we've seen krennic and we've seen the death troopers like turning the tide is like a hard counter sort of to to these types of effects at least for a turn or two
1: yeah like it's it definitely is a tool to use against it and especially like the power level of i think these cards are starting to ramp because this is I mean, less like entire legion, which is you know virtually army-wide, like its command radius. This is board-wide. It's a global effect, if if you're a trooper unit. And so I think that's like that's when you know turning the tide comes into play. Because if you if you looked at it previously and you ran Leia, you're like, do I really need Inspire six? And this card gives you a chance to to use that that much Inspire to try to get your to try to you know just brute force your way through that turn
2: i will say as far as like timing is concerned you know there are cards that telegraph themselves like and now you will die and son of skywalker i don't feel like annihilation looms telegraphs itself in the way that other splashy cards do
0: Um, no i i think the 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 clause at the end where it's like if it's round five or six give everybody an additional suppression token is kind of a trap (laughs) um in in that I think it implies that that's when you want to be kind of playing it, but I don't think that that's necessarily true yet. I, I, haven't, I haven't played played the card to know like it, but it seems like this is really good on turn one or two.
2: Yeah, agreed. Um, I'm excited to see how how uh, people fit Chronic into their lists. I think it's going to open up some some fun directions. Um, you guys want to hit this uh, new Death Trooper heavy weapon?
0: I do because I see you typing out in the show notes. You're like DTs with one aim and at range four can do (laughs) this much damage. And I, and I want people to cry. So I would love to talk about
2: it. Okay. So, uh, it is two red and one white impact one, 34 points range one to four. So it's essentially the same as a stormtrooper DLT, except it's got a white die on it. The difference obviously is it's on a death trooper, uh, so that's a tougher model to begin with, but also, you know, when you're looking at things, you always have to consider the entire pool that you're supplementing. So, like a DLT supplements generally four white dice. Um, this thing in a Death Trooper unit is supplementing, you know, at the most basic level, four black dice with surge um, at range four. Uh, assuming yeah, you're <laughs> assuming you're you're giving them that config, um, and then if you bring it into range two, you know, that's also you could do two white dice instead of the black dice for each mini so that's like what is that eight whites two reds and, a, and another white or you probably want to throw oh. blast in there so that's six whites three reds sorry seven whites and three reds yeah
1: um with den- denying cover yeah
2: so that's pretty good that's so gross with do you four, know what kind of troopers these are
1: you know what kind of troopers these are they're <laughs> death, death troopers, troopers.
2: Death troopers. <laughs> yep and obviously all, all those pools have uh, four re-rolls so um, but yeah, so the, the stat that I typed here in the show notes was just essentially like the range for firepower that you can push out with this thing. Uh, if you have one aim token, which is going to be fairly easy with these guys, either because you're running them alongside Veers, or they have two Courage, so they're going to be able to aim, um, you have a 95% chance to get at least five hits, uh, a 74% chance to get at least six hits, and a 32% chance to get a full seven hits. That's just with a one aim token. That's if you're not getting like, you know, two aims from spotter plus an aim action or a coordinated fire or something like that.
0: I'm raising my hand. I'm raising my hand. I'm raising my hand. What if you have 24? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well,
2: I, I think you would increase that seven hit chance. Uh, <laughs>
1: <That's> substantially.
2: Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, it's pretty good. There's a, uh, Essentially, because of how you know static defense benefits work in Legion, with cover and dodge and stuff like that, there's there's like significant additional marginal benefit for every extra hit that you can get. So like if you have a unit that consistently gets one hit every single time, you know that's going to be less valuable than a unit that like half the time gets two hits. Um, if you're shooting things in cover. Right, because you know if you're shooting something in light cover, that one hit is always gonna gonna get canceled. Whereas if you're shooting something in in light cover and you're half the time you're getting two hits and half the time you're getting zero hits, you know you've got the same average number of hits in each of those instances, but you're at least doing damage 50% of the time in that second instance. Um, so like you know if you're shooting at rebel troopers in heavy cover with a dodge, every hit you get past your third hit is going to be more valuable than the last one. So like the closer you can push a hit pool up to its maximum, the better. And you're definitely doing that with these dust troopers, you know. 74% chance to get six hits if you're shooting at an un- an entrenched rebel trooper squad in heavy cover with a dodge, you're still pushing three hits through and You're probably going to kill three guys because they're white saves. So,
0: no, let's slow down. We're talking statistics and we're talking averages here. If three dice get through, you're killing two.
2: Okay, you're right. On average, but <laughs> sure. we all know how white dice
0: work. There's no, I, there's no I, paint I just want to, as, as an imperial, <laughs> you know, I don't know, press guy, I just want to make sure that the facts are straight.
2: I'm just saying, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have any paint on my white dice. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah i don't know somebody rolled like four defense dice on their Wookiees the other day against me i don't even remember who it was they
1: rolled four blocks
2: (laughs) it happens that's
1: a one in a a thousand chance (laughs) to do that actually well that goes to show you my luck but
0: i'm just saying that if three hits get through two of them on average die anyways continue with your map.
2: anyway the point is this thing has a lot of firepower uh, because death troopers have a lot of firepower, so don't think of it just as like you're slapping one extra DLT on this unit for 100 and some odd points instead of, you know, why can't I just take two DLT stormtrooper units? Because um, you're pushing those hits up, and obviously you're you're putting them on a more durable unit with more range. So, um, yeah, I don't want to
0: pontificate too much about it, but those are fun stats yeah they are something for for the empire yeah i mean look you guys got pathfinders we got dt's right it's everything's kosher I, i've been um,
2: i've been super excited the pathfinders are awesome I, yeah i don't want to go down we've talked about pathfinders ad nauseum, but yeah yeah i am i am very happy with uh the rubble lot in this comparison not that death troopers are bad either but i think they did great with so, both of them
0: so i will say and i don't want to talk about this a ton but it's kind of something that like kind of like came into my mind just now you can put down three suppression tokens with these guys arranged for if you split fire. I don't think that's good because I think you'd rather be killing things, but you could
2: if you can catch both targets in the open. And then there's no oh, yeah. downside I think, really. That's,
0: that's glorious. I it, think they have bigger problems than suppression <laughs> at that point. <laughs> sure. I mean, the other yeah. thing though is that if you split fire, the
1: aim tokens a lot worse.
2: That's yeah. That's very yes. much. That's very much true.
1: Yes, because like you said, you need the big die pool to get that extra value. Yeah. Um,
0: but Krennic Death Troopers coming to a store near you in what three days? Three days Thursday, I think.
2: Yeah, this will come out on Tuesday. So, Tuesday, yeah, right. Well, this podcast so, will come out on Tuesday.
0: Oh, yes, sorry, two days from now because yeah.
1: we're in the future. Um, you couldn't understand you. You had your Death Trooper helmet on. There you go.
0: Um, let's talk about tactics. Yeah. Let's move on to the next section. Yeah, are we good with this?
1: Yep. Yeah, we're yep. good.
0: Right, sweet. So <laughs> we're gonna talk about some tactics today. Um, before the cast, we put together some stuff. I believe some bullet points along the lines of managing risk and probabilities came up. How do you guys feel about? risks and probabilities
2: uh i'm so i'm all about looking at this kind of stuff um i, I don't know if i folks think your have, first
0: article ever was about risk and problem
2: yeah and i'm actually going to reference it um so for those that have not read uh never tell me the odds that's the blog that i write uh less for now than i used to <laughs> <laughs> at least at least in in leading up to adapt hope is to get back to the unit guys afterwards but um so on that site, we look a lot at managing risk, and um, you know statistics like those those uh, uh, death trooper numbers we just talked about. Those are from a simulator that I built. If you want to simulate attack pools and stuff, it, it takes everything through with um, you know hits and pierce and cover and dodge and all that fun stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, one of the key things of any dice game is is essentially fixing the dice. Like you want you know that your dice are going to screw you at some point. Um, it's a long game. There's a lot of dice to roll at some point, you're gonna have a roll where you're like, man, that really should not have happened, except it did happen. So you need to prepare for that. and there are lots of ways to do that, which we'll talk about. Um, uh, basically, you want to build redundancies. You want to use um, you know more than one unit to do something depending on how important it is. Uh, and that also implies that you want to focus on a select few objectives on a given turn and like make extra sure that you can accomplish those and prioritize rather than trying to do too many things at once. Um, I played a game over the weekend where I did not follow this advice <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and it cost Whoops. me, uh, which I can briefly talk about um, in a minute. Uh, you also want to fix the dice by using things like aim tokens or you know, avoid rolling them entirely by using things like dodge tokens and cover. Um, and generally speaking, you you just have to focus, like you you have to decide what your priorities are and you have to just throw a bunch of things out there, those priorities. Um, one of the examples I, I gave in, uh, this article from forever ago now is like, suppose you have, you know, you're playing intercept. Uh, there's two stormtroopers on the objective. Um, you really need to kill them because... Uh, if you don't then they're going to claim that intercept objective and, and suppose that scoring unit is the difference between you winning and you losing um, you've got a nearby rebel trooper squad with a z6 uh, suppose it's a full unit they average four hits right so four hits means on a, on a red dice that means two saves and that means two and so on average you should kill those two stormtroopers if you shoot at them with one d6 c6 unit right well you only have as it turns out a 62 percent chance to you know, actually do those two wounds because of variance, right? Like averages are not everything. Um, Right. So, you know, in that case, like, would you stake your game on a 38% failure chance? I'm sure that if it was phrased to you like that, you know, like you'd you'd be pissed if you didn't kill those two stormtroopers because that's a below average result. But it's not like so below average that it's, you know, like a very small chance of not happening. It's actually roughly 60-40. So you just have to make sure, like in that case, that you're throwing... Two units at it instead of one or if you really really need it to win throw five units at it if you can afford to do that so um that's kind of how i think about it personally
0: that, that's kind of similar to i think it was either last week or the week before or maybe even the week before that um where you were talking about a situation where i believe you were playing de pinto mm-hmm. and you were talking about um like killing something with luke i don't exactly remember what it was yeah there was there Um, was a
2: guy with he had three boxes and i had two and and luke was in melee with one of those one of those guys Uh, and he luke completely whiffed (laughs) (laughs) and i had taken an aim to increase my chances to kill him but i what i really should have done is um you know recovered or attacked and then left an action to recover and force push him out into the open so that i could attack him with other units but it like wasn't in my brain that Luke was gonna was gonna whiff because what are yeah. the chances of that, right?
0: I um, mean, it's it's a similar scenario in that except you're you're moving the needle from ninety eight to ninety nine point eight instead of sixty two to ninety, you know, right?
2: But you know, if if you can do that, it's still you know as as it uh, turned out in that game, still worth doing. Um, so it, those situations. Like that one is kind of edge case, but there are a lot more situations where it's the 60 40 and you need to make it 80 20 or whatever. Um, and it's it the, the the short version of all this advice is you know, make sure that you're prioritizing what your goals on a given turn are and just focus like twice as many things on accomplishing those goals as you think you need to.
0: I think um, a, good, a good place to kind of start in this conversation maybe, maybe not in this conversation but from you know a, a new player or somebody that doesn't really understand this concept as well as they would like is you you really need to understand what the percentage chances of your units are to do things you need to kind of have a baseline understanding of you know if i shoot with my death troopers or range four i have a 95 percent chance to get five hits you know um and knowing those kind of baseline stats allow you to make these judgment calls within the game of, hey, you know, in my head, I can do the quick maths and know that if this Z6 unit is firing at that squad, it's only 62%. And if you don't know that, you don't know what you don't know, you can't act accordingly.
2: Yeah, and that's not to say like it's it's not conceivable to memorize all the probability tables um, no. but what is fairly quick to do is averages you know the, the the super fast way to do this is to add up all the sides of the dice that have paint on them and then divide by eight to get your average hits you know and then and then do what we just did which is uh, divide by the save chance of the unit you're targeting and that'll get you your average and then you you, you know the quick way is just to assume that you got a 6040 chance of, of hitting that average um, so, like for example, you know, with the Z6, if you've got a full unit, you you've got uh, five blacks and six whites. So that's uh, each of those blacks has has essentially four paint on it since they don't surge, and each of the whites has two. Um, so that adds up to 32 divided by eight, and you get four hits. Um, that's fairly quick to do in your head, and then four divided by you know, uh, 50/50 on the stormtrooper save gets you two wounds on average, and then you know roughly going to be for for any average situation like that, obviously, variance makes a big difference. Um, but generally speaking, you know it's pretty safe to assume that it's going to be something close to like 60-40 or 65-35 or something like that to hit those averages. Um, so yeah, and use those probability calculators, too, if you're curious about some new thing that comes out, just like I did with those you know, DLTs uh david you put sunk cost fallacy on here what do you mean by that
1: i i did so this is um shifting a little bit away from just the straight up math and going towards um just more of the uh managing risk kind of issues um so there's a tendency uh, among human beings to you know look at an endeavor and say well i've already spent so much effort it would be a shame if i gave up now (laughs) <laughs> and um, the answer is uh, that is that is logically fallacious. Um, you have to actually look at uh, what the what reality is and make a determination based on the current understanding of uh, what's going to happen from the current circumstances. So uh, I'll just give a, a really quick Legion example. Um, I was playing Intercept Disarray. And I had a bunch of units on my right side of the board and my opponent set up a bunch of units across from me. And it looked really, really clear that um, he was going to win that flank. And I said to myself at a momentary lapse where I said, I put Luke on the right side of the board. He should handle the right side of the board. And I had to really rest myself away from this notion and say, no, the board state is this. Luke will be better served heading towards the middle. And that, actually, that, that decision point, because I ignored the fact that I had already spent effort putting Luke and other troops on the right side of the board, we, we were determined to hold the right side of the board, no matter what, because I'd already committed there. And the answer is, you know, instead you just shift your tactics, you run to a different part of the board, you do something that's more realistic, you say, okay, I got to cut my losses and go somewhere else. And so, you just have to become aware of these situations in game, and that's in terms of like what's the risk you're playing, staying where you are, or changing your changing your strategy and heading to a new part of the board. And we can often get derailed by um, this idea that like, well, if I've already spent this much effort, I, you know, it's the idea that it's somehow more efficient to keep spending effort when it's not working, um, is a really easy trap to fall into. And I think, Kyle, you, you mentioned something about a game that uh, you played where this was also evident for you, if you want to give us the, the short form version.
2: Yeah, so we'll do a super highlight version here. I played uh, Luke Cook on Saturday, um, and uh, he was running his, his 11 activation, Veers, Boba, um, you know, with six core, three snipers, Veers, and Boba. So super efficient list. And I was doing my one that I've talked about previously, uh, Luke Leia, five core, two snipers, and Pathfinders. We ended up on Breakthrough Disarray. Which is generally speaking favorable for um, rebel players, um, and I did what we've talked about previously in that situation, which is I basically like snarfed his uh, his one unit that he put in his far side and just started moving towards it with breakthrough. Um, but I also sort of like surprised myself with how many casualties I um, inflicted on his main main army with coordinated bombardment and pathfinders. Um, so I made kind of a greedy turn two play to like double down on that. And basically, through a combination of of you know red saves and uh, whiffs on some Pathfinder dice, um, they, I actually didn't kill anything else. But I felt like I had already committed to like you know uh, changing tactics instead of piling into that far zone and just having it be you know like a ten to ten, me being up forty four points to kind of win. Um, I I tried to like double down and go after those weakened stormtrooper units and it ended up like me overextending myself and didn't work so um you know that was a situation where like after i whiffed with those pathfinders i should have just continued with my original plan of piling into that far deployment
1: zone but instead i well, we... sorry go ahead sorry go ahead no okay so so the idea is i guess the core idea here is you have you came to the game with some preconceived notions about what is a good play mm-hmm. and you saw an opportunity to make what what could be divorced from context to good play, which is wiping out a weakened unit to get an activation off the board to score the points. But instead of focusing on what was really going to get you the win, you said, well I've already spent effort here. I should I should complete the I should complete the job. Right. Even though it wasn't gonna work out for me to actually it wasn't really going to advance my my winning play. You know what I mean? Right.
2: So like on turn two it was a fairly low opportunity cost for me to to try and make that shift um but after i made that shift on turn two i got in my head that i need to like double down and continue shifting that way on turn three and then, and then by that time it was too late for me to go back to my original plan which probably would have worked so
1: i uh, see so you ended up in a quagmire yes uh yep of sorts i did end up in a quagmire <laughs> I, I will say that i
0: found myself there and, and i think that imperial units are a little bit more prone to this than rebel units um just because i think you know, the Lukes of the world are a little bit more flexible than the Vader's and Palpatine's. Um, but like a lot of times if if your units aren't flexible and you're actually sunk, you, you can't get unsunk. <laughs> um, yep. And, and it can cause some problems.
2: Yeah. Committing to a plan is, is like doubly as important if you have units that are slow, like Palpatine and Vader.
0: Yeah, I, that doesn't found, mean those
2: units are bad. That just means you yeah. need to make sure that you focus on an objective and stick to your plan
0: like there's been many a game where I've I've ran into kind of this some similar mentality of like, oh, I made a mistake. Like Vader should not be on this side of the table. But I mean, as I'm sure many, many, many of you know, if you're ever uttering the words to yourself, Vader should be not I'm not on this side of the table. You know that he's there and he's not going anywhere else. Um, so you kind of have to make the best of a bad situation uh but you guys have luke
2: yep he's faster
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's faster uh
2: but he was he was part of he was part of my quagmire um in this particular instance despite the fact that he's fast so
1: yeah engaging is actually pretty dangerous um like you say because you know disengaging is so costly and You know, once you're engaged, you're like, well, it's probably better to try to do damage as opposed to withdrawing because they'll just tie me up again because you can't go very far, you know, withdrawing against speed 2 units. So, you know, that by itself is incredibly dangerous to do. So, you know, anytime you want to engage an enemy unit, you have to understand what the consequences are.
2: Yep. You guys got anything else on uh, managing risk? On sunk
1: sunk sunk cost? cost... no, I don't I don't think I think that kind of covers it. Just to make sure you're just aware of aware of what you've done and and try to be as objective as you can about the situation and not uh not uh you know fall into the trap of I've come this far, turning back now is not possible. Yeah,
0: I I will say I think it this 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 one takes some time. Like you have to be able to a recognize you've made a mistake, b admit you made a mistake you kind of have to go through like the five stages of grief or whatever it is right like you have to you have to like get through that and turn it to and then and then change your strategy because a lot of times you'll be like oh man i was doing this really awesome thing and i shouldn't know and you, you have to be able to kind of turn that corner
1: as it's happening you also have to do it while rolling defense saves yeah, <laughs> yeah. which <laughs> which is equally painful <laughs> usually yeah you, you start to get you better, you better go through it fast because the timer is running also um, so th- you know this is
0: where and i, I don't think we're going to talk about it today but like the concept of tilt kind of can kick in you're like oh i screwed up and you start if you beat yourself up about it over enough you're gonna kind of you're just gonna continue to make poor decisions um and and that's definitely we can spend a whole in, in the worlds of kyle Dornbos, we can spend a whole episode talking about uh talking about tilt um but uh that might be a
1: good su- subject for future cast if we talk about mindset and tilt and things like for that. for sure um and hopefully in fact,
2: hopefully not next week
1: ho- yes hopefully not next week <laughs> hopefully not yeah hopefully we don't get tilted so hard we uh spend the whole episode post adepticon talking about tilt uh, and
0: as a kind of a, a little bit of a pump here, if you guys would like to hear about tilt, please feel free to solicit, uh, to rather give us feedback at notorious scoundrels at gmail.com. If you don't want to hear about tilt, you can also tell us there. This yeah, is me making a, a really big smiley face with two thumbs up.
2: Yeah. And, uh, so we now do have an email address, which, uh, Mike just referenced, please uh, send in feedback. Um, we're going to start doing like a listener question segment if you want to send in questions. Uh, if you don't like lengthy battle reports, tell us that too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seems to be a popular opinion. Uh, so uh, yeah, we are obviously constantly trying to improve the show. And now we have a way for you to communicate with us besides just randomly hitting us up on Discord and Facebook, uh, which you can also do. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and uh, please send us emails. We want to hear from you. So NotoriousScoundrels at gmail.com
0: yeah buddy um so are we gonna hit this uh this last section today guys fundamentals
2: it's fundamental uh yeah we can actually we've touched on this previously so i think
1: we can do this some service without spending too much time on it sweet yeah can we spend like just a minute saying how this came up again so (laughs) for those of you who have played me lately um i'm really good at moving my troops out of cover without any ego at all (laughs) yeah so so here's so here's the deal um i'm reminded of something that daniel negranu who's a poker player once said and he said um the moment you think you've got a game mastered is the moment when everybody else starts to surpass you and so that kind of involves constantly going back to the basics um, and so if you're a, a really advanced player who's kind of thinking, you know, oh, I can just, you know, skip over this part because I already know all this stuff. Just just take a moment and just listen because, um, you know, I, I guarantee you'll profit just from being reminded of things you may already know. But, uh, you know, sometimes you don't have it close enough at hand during a tournament to to really remember it. So, you know, stay tuned. Even if we're talking about stuff you might already understand about the game.
2: Learn, learn from our sorrows.
1: Yeah. Yes, for sure. <laughs> there, there isn't. There is, in fact, time for sorrows after the game. Yep. Uh,
2: so uh, we are going to start doing a fundamentals section in addition to our tactics section. We're starting to do sections. Um, trying. And uh, trying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, today we're going to do activation timing. So uh, we've we've touched on this previously in our I think our list building. Our competitive list building episode, but essentially, you know, since Legion is a game of back and forth, you go, I go. Well, not you go, I go, because that's it. You everybody goes at once. It is alternating activations, right? One unit goes, then your opponent unit goes, back and forth. Uh, the timing of which units you pick to go when is very important. And of course, since Legion is awesome, you don't have perfect control over. When those units go, because you have a token bag and you have the order system. um, so we're going to talk a little bit about how to kind of hedge this is also a little bit about managing risks, but but how to both build a list and also um, activate units in a way that facilitates you know your units going when you need them to go, either early or late, both of which are beneficial for different reasons so on a given turn i i like to think of these in three categories a a given unit is going to be you know you want it to either go early in the turn uh, which means you want it to be proactive you want it to go late in the turn which means it's in a reactive position or you don't care when it goes and that's essentially timing neutral Uh, so managing your Activation order on a given turn is all about transitioning from those proactive units to the timing neutral units, and then finally to the reactive units. And this is why, uh, like activation count, kind of uh, gets talked about a lot because it pushes back how many reactive units you can have at the end of your turn compared to your opponent. Like if your opponent has eight activations and you have eleven, then even if you go first, you still got three units that are going to go, you know, back to back to back uh, after your opponent gets to do their last thing so um you know there's not like a set number for how many activations you should have but it seems like these days most competitive lists have 10 or even 11
0: i'd say you should definitely have nine
1: for sure yeah and you better have a darn good reason for going below nine like you're running a fully loaded atst or palpatine or what have you
2: even either of those things you can get 10 activations with
1: yeah thanks to snipers yeah
2: thanks to snipers
1: yeah uh, or u webs take your take your pick either one's pretty cheap pew, 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 pew. um
2: the other thing about just sort of while we're talking about list building and activation timing is one of the most important things for activation timing is the contents of your token bag so all of the units that you're not giving orders to you want to make your token bag as like uh, vanilla as possible, which is why five to six core units is so popular. Um, you know, because on a given turn, like any one of those core units, is they're all going to be in different positions, right? Some of them you're going to want to go first, and some of them you're going to want not to go first. So if you pull a core token from your bag, you've got you know five or six choices, uh, and you can basically like you know choose. You can transition from proactive to reactive. Um, and just, just to go further delve into those categories real quick, um, generally speaking, proactive units are going to be units that either like are in a position to immediately do a significant amount of damage to your opponent, or they're going to be units that are vulnerable to that same thing being done to them. Um, reactive units are ones, generally speaking, like high-impact units like uh, you know Luke or Boba Fett, where you want to hold them. You know, they're probably in a safe spot uh, until late in the round, and then they can come out and do their thing. Um, and then timing neutral units are ones where your opponent's actions are essentially not going to affect what they do. You know, they might be on the opposite side of the table and they're just, you know, putting a wound on a moisture evaporator or something like that. So uh,
1: the, the, I think there's a, an even larger concept here with what, with what Kyle's talking about with making sure your token bag is vanilla as possible and that's just i mean the fundamental the fundamental principle here behind activation timing you know even before you get there is is just control and I like the competitive i think in a lot of competitive settings you are trying to decrease or eliminate randomness so that you can go purely on calculation um and so having that vanilla token bag or having command cards that sort the small quantity tokens like for example if you played like return of the jedi and gave an order to luke leia and chewbacca you've removed all your commanders and all your operatives out of your list or out of your token bag and so you're left with um proact you're left with like either timing neutral units like snipers or your core units which you then have you know total almost total control over apart from what your opponent decides to do in the interim um to work with during the course of the turn and so, I mean, that's that's sort of what we're getting at here when, when Kyle says using core units to transition from proactive to reactive. You're able to... Um, you you kind of have a very good... A very high chance or just a very good feeling that you're going to get the token you need when you need it. And usually Leia... I'm just talking about Leia because that's what I play. She'll run improvised orders to sort of help you. If you don't get the token that you want, you can just you know, draw a second one and pull one, throw one back. Of course, the danger is that you're going to get a duplicate pull. So just make sure that you, you know, only improvise on the lower quantity tokens, like, say, special forces. If you really don't want to go with a sniper now, you can just improv and throw it back. Um, There's also something to be said about transitioning from proactive to reactive. If you're going full-blown reactive and have a range advantage, um, you kind of want to go with your longer range units first because they uh, don't have to move up as far, or at all, if you're a sniper. Um, and they basically force your opponent to move their units, which might be shorter range, into you without being able to take a return shot. And that's another you know, big part of having good activation timing, is that you are essentially uh, gaining a slight offensive edge. You know, over the course of the game, you get more like possession time, so to speak. It would be the that's the sports equivalent more time shooting rather than more time moving into being shot.
2: Yeah. And part of that specific thing, too, you know, we had an episode on measuring um, way back. What was that like? Episode two. (laughs) Yeah. And and (laughs) Um, always be always be, always be. But yeah, like knowing your opposing units' threat ranges is really important for making sure that you're not just walking into fire. Um, because if, if all you're doing all turn is moving and then getting shot you know like th- that's that's a common thing I, I think I see a common mistake uh, I think that I see new players make especially on the first couple of turns is they're kind of just anxious to get units up and into the fight and they end up you know every one of their, their token pulls is moving a unit up into the, onto the table and then their opponent's token pull is, is either moving and then shooting that unit that just moved or you know, aiming and shooting them because they just moved up into their threat range. So, um, you know, make sure you know, like for example, a DLT's threat range is range four plus a speed to move, which is essentially range five. Um, you know, a Z6 threat range is range four essentially because it's it's range three plus a speed to move, which is one range band. Um, so just make sure that you're always aware of of those ranges as they relate to your opponent's units, and just be conscious of the fact that you're not like just kind of walking into an opposing gun line, which you can get in a um you know, quickly get in a pattern of if if you make that like committed mistake early in the turn.
1: The most dangerous practical situation for this is recon Intel units on battle lines. Because you are you start range four across the table from each other. And if you you can recon Intel towards your opponent, that's not great for you because that lets them shoot you more unless you're hiding.
2: Yeah, that's true also on disarray. Uh, where everything is ranged. Disarrays feels weird because it's corners, but you're, it's actually the same distance as battle lines as far as deployment zone distances are concerned.
1: Yeah, you're four away from everything, essentially. Yep.
0: All right. Sweet. So what sort of list archetypes do you guys think exist presently on timing choices and will kind of come around? Like, are tanks going to have a you know, a big effect on this sort of thing.
1: The tank specifically, I mean, I think it really depends on the hard points that we're gonna find out about, I think, when they when we get the spoiling of all that stuff. But I mean armor, you know, armor tends to have high range. You know, ATSTs have a range four gun. Um, but I think ATSTs they, they usually want to go last so they can leverage their range. So I mean they they definitely figure into a more like Winning through attrition style of list because they just have high range, they have high damage, and they're not under a whole lot of pressure. They have a lot of health. Um, generally speaking, for armor, I mean, it's got 11 health. It's the healthiest armored unit in the game. Um, so you know, big armor kind of kind of doesn't really mind. Um, they're only they're they're only really timing sensitive next to you know a couple things. So like, you really want to put veers you know, in there to give them the aim what you yours to go before them. That's really one of the few things they're sensitive to. But I would say that you know ATSTs are fairly timing neutral unless you're in a, a position to, you know, walk up and grenade someone to death <laughs> because they have that range two grenade launcher going on. And um you know, so that'll be that'll be great to to use them that way. But in terms of like overall archetypes, there's basically like two branches that I see happening. One is The reactive archetype, and I say restive because it relies on sitting back and digging in. They're kind of high activation count lists that just try to get as many of those free shots as possible at the end of the round to make a deliberate effort to go second in the round. Um, And they just try to win through efficiency and attrition. So, you know, any sort of Z6 spam list that you run into, any sort of like DLT spam list, they're just trying to out-efficiency you and leverage range. And then the second archetype is the sort of proactive... You know, possibly lower activation counts that are winning through just timing a timed attacks. So, for example, triple flamers uh, from ATRTs, uh, two Wookies with reckless diversion to protect them, uh, triple bikes that are trying to go last and then go first to alpha strike one or two units off the board and cause a snowball. Um, things like that. So, those are kind of you know archetypal. And so when you when you run into you know, a list across the table from you, you kind of have to make a determination based on what they've brought. You know, what, what are they going to try to do to me? And, and I think some of the best lists have elements of both. Like for example, Royal guards with, um, uh, what do you call the pull the strings? They have that timing element as well as the rest of element, because they have the four DLTs with, that can also pull the strings and be more efficient that way. So you sort of have to, you know, realize, you know what the role is of each unit and some lists are trying to go all in on this reactive side some lists are going all in on the proactive side and and there's a lot of in between and you have to recognize which which is which
2: yeah and it's not always obviously the same from one turn to the next either like that list that we've talked about previously spicy chicken combo which is han chewy and a bunch of flame atrt's on the first turn you're in a reactive posture because you don't want to wander into your opponent's anti-armor units but then pretty much Every turn thereafter, your your ATRTs are going to be proactive, right? Like you want to burn as many things as possible before they die. So, um, you know, some unit, some lists have units that don't care as much about this than others. Um, And I think you know, the the two lists that we talk about a lot, Veers Boba and Luke Leia, are so successful because they have so many flexible units that you know can be effective going early and going late. but you can definitely win with, with lists that you know are skewed one direction or the other. Um, it's just it's a playstyle thing.
1: Yep. And in terms of how that relates to your timing, it's also like you have to know which units are under threat because you you once you have a sense of what your opponent is is desiring to do to you, you can then adjust, and that will become apparent as the board kind of develops as the position develops, so to speak. You know.
0: Isn't it just destruction? What they desire to do to you.
1: At at the bottom, but how <laughs> you know what implements they choose? Are they gonna? Is it a fork or a spoon? Mm, I don't know, mm.
2: <laughs> or a very short fork.
1: Right. What if it's a yeah. spork <laughs> That's uh, that's Luke Han and two <laughs> flamers That's what. That's a spork. Right, speaking, right.
2: speaking of sporks, my two year old has led me to rediscover the awesomeness of the spork.
1: I haven't seen a spork in a really long time,
0: frankly. Probably since like elementary <laughs> school, which would make sense based on your.
2: They're pretty example. awesome. Let me tell you.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I have a metal spork on a keychain for camping. There you go. Super useful. You learn something new about people
0: every day. All right. Um, so I think that uh, that was a pretty good rundown of our fundamentals segment this week. Um, yeah. You guys got anything else you kind of want to jump in here about or we want to wrap
1: this this party up uh, good luck to all of the players that we're going to meet at Adepticon um, may you roll only crits unless you're playing or me, me. Or you can Kyle. roll crits
2: against me it's cool <laughs> I'll still be your friend <laughs> all uh, right so t- t- tune in at 1pm on Thursday for the first of, of the three days of streaming awesomeness
1: Yep, keep it locked on the 5th Trooper for all of the uh, latest with the High Command and uh, other Legion stuff going on at Adepticon 2019 for Star Wars Legion.
0: And also make sure you please submit us feedback at NotoriousScoundrels at gmail.com. We're going to have a ton of awesome stuff coming at you this weekend. Please stay tuned to the Legion community channel and Discord. Please stay tuned to the Facebook uh, Star Wars Legion group. Please make sure that you're subscribed to the fifth trooper youtube channel because i believe that's where a lot of our stuff is going to be um get ready Which for all going to be yeah yeah get ready for an awesome weekend it's going to be fantastic i hope everyone enjoyed this episode of notorious scoundrels i'm mike
2: i'm
1: kyle and i'm
0: david have a good one we'll see you at Adepticon. Join us next time for another edition of the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. This has been a Fifth Trooper production.